Now a reading from the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he'd entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child's not dead. She's only sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went into where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the little girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Lord, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher as we reflect upon it. In Christ's name, amen. A little glitch printing my homily this morning. I'm doing it off my phone. Wow. So cool, but also so not used to it. So bear with me if I have a few more pauses than I normally do. This morning we come face to face with God's compassion. God's compassionate work in the ministry of Jesus in the healing of two women. One, the daughter of a wealthy and powerful religious leader named Jairus. And the other, a very poor and isolated social outcast whose physical birth name is not even revealed to us. Our narrative begins with the image of Jairus on his knees and begging. 
This is not how we would expect Jairus to behave. Because whenever crowds gathered around Jesus, they were not crowds of wealthy and powerful people. They were not crowds of Israel's religious leaders. The folks with power, by and large, were not interested in following Jesus around and rubbing shoulders with the underclass in the process. Whenever the powerful do show up, it's almost always for the purpose of trying to snare Jesus in an argument so that they can do away with him. But Jairus is desperate enough not to care who he's rubbing shoulders with. And that is an image that all of us should ponder. Jairus' desperation leads him to a life-giving encounter with Jesus in the midst of people he would not normally be close to. The people that are running around following Jesus, they are not people that Jairus is hanging out with. But in that moment, Jairus' desperation says, I'll be with whoever is around this figure of Jesus. I'll be with them. That's something that we should stop and think about. Are we hungry enough to meet with Jesus along with all, capital A, capital L, capital L, along with all the people that Jesus welcomes into his presence? Or do we want to meet Jesus in an echo chamber of our own design. When we darkly imagine that the church should be a community where people who are pretty much just like me hang out with other people who are pretty much just like me. When that happens, what are we missing out on? In terms of of the kind of blessings or the kind of healings that God may have for us simply because we've determined that if meeting with God means being with people we don't want to be with, then we'll take our chances in order to avoid being with the vulnerable and those on the margins. There may be something there for each of us in that. I think each of us uh, can be guilty of wanting to design our communities in such a way that we are relatively unchallenged by, by uh, the people around us. Uh, but that's not the community that God is designing. For God welcomes all. And in that moment of desperation, Jairus finds that that's where life is to be found. In those who are gathering around Jesus, not those who would be gathering around Jairus. Back to the flow of Mark's narrative here. Look how Jesus is the face of compassion here when Jairus comes to him. There's no concern over Jairus' motives. No concern over the people that Jairus hangs out with who are not people who like Jesus. There's no second guessing for Jesus. There's no paralysis over the question, could this be a trap? That's usually Jesus' experience with people like Jairus. Okay, where's the trap here? Jesus just says, let's go. 
But then there's an interruption. A woman whose medical condition relegated her to a life of poverty, loneliness, and distance from others. A distance mandated by Israel's Levitical law for someone in her state. This woman takes a giant risk. She touches Jesus. Now she does this thinking that there's so many people that she can be anonymous She touches him, having faith that just touching him can heal her. And she's right about that, but she's wrong about remaining anonymous. Jesus wants to bless her. And bless her, he does. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Once again, we have a jolting image here. Like Jairus on his knees, this is not what we would expect to happen according to the social and religious norms of the day. When the woman falls down before Jesus, she's risking everything. She's regarded as impure and untouchable. She's not supposed to touch people. She's not even supposed to be in a crowd where it can happen. What will happen to her when she reveals her identity and says that she's the one who touched Jesus for a moment? It must have seemed like time stood still. What would Jesus say? But here we go again. Coming again face to face with what God's compassion looks like when God moves towards humanity and Jesus. Those regarded as impure are no longer outsiders. They're not to be feared as contagious. As one preacher suggests, in the presence of Jesus, what has become contagious is God's compassion and welcome. Have you ever been in a moment where you suddenly realize you're in the presence of God's holiness and it seems like time is standing still and you're thinking, oh, if God knew this or that about me, this is an imperfect analogy to what we're talking about, but all analogies are imperfect, so forgive that. But I think we can all relate to wondering, God recognize me as this or that. What would God's response be? God's response would be to, in a sense, bypass our physical birth name and call us his beloved son, his beloved daughter, as he does here with this woman. Well, anyway, back to our narrative. All this is happening, and Jairus is cooling his heels right here, right? I mean, can you imagine Jairus in this situation? Come on. We don't have much time, but he waits. He must have been beside himself. He's thinking of his little girl and fearing that they're out of time. And then he is told that they are out of time. But Jesus says, do not fear. And they go to the house. What happens next after Jesus dispatches the laughing cynics is just so very tender. He reaches out to take the little girl's hand and he pulls her back to life with his healing touch. Now it's worth mentioning here that Jesus transgresses another purity restriction in doing this as the dead are unclean and according to the same Levitical law that excluded this woman from normal society we met earlier. Just like that, the little girl is not supposed to be touched. 
Mark seems to be at pains here to show us something important about being in the presence of Jesus. To be in the presence of Jesus is to be touched by God simply by being in his presence. To be touched by God and made able to also reciprocate and touch God back. No matter who we are or how desperate our circumstances may be, the risk of faith to welcome God's touch and reach out and touch God ourselves will always be rewarded. Will always be rewarded with reciprocity. Now Mark sandwiches these two healing narratives together by beginning with the story of the little girl, interrupting it with the story of the poor woman whose physical birth name we're not told, but no matter, because she's renamed Daughter of God, and then coming back to Jairus' daughter afterwards. He joins these two daughters together for a reason. He wants us to see that the new community that God is bringing forth around Jesus will be a community where the poor and the marginalized will be gathered alongside the rich and the powerful, for they need each other. As has been observed by more than a few commentators in Jesus' new community, the poor and the marginalized will be lifted up out of their despair. The powerful will be delivered from the snares of power and wealth, greed, pride, and lack of compassion for the poor. Mark's message to the early church is the same message to us, and it is clear. By the grace and mercies of God, be that community. (laughs) Let's live into that community in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.